This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Yeah, of course, we scored the second, the third, but uh, we have to score. They defend well, so we know it. In 90 minutes, always happen, but it's a team like the menu a lot. It's so difficult to play against Arsenal and Mikel, so it's so difficult. And uh, he knows perfectly our players, and uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. But uh, a part of this, and especially the second half, we were so good. With one series, not easy to play, and we play with so so calm and intelligence, and it was a good game. It's one more, one more. So now, always, all the time, we think, we think in the next one and next one, and uh, and uh, is the, that is now it's Champions League. We travel there, play, and after West Ham at home, so it's once a time. So, but we cannot deny. So now it's 39 points to to play. We have 10 uh, up front. So imagine how many points still you have to. You know, you have to you have to win. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. A man with his eyes firmly on the prize there. Pep Guardiola speaking after Man City defeated Arsenal 1-0 early Monday morning. It, yeah, it seems such a long time ago now. It is the Monday show with me, Ross. Hello. Off, welcome to Off the Ball. Uh, my special guests this week, Craig Marias is here. Hello, Craig. Hello, hello. How you doing, Ross? Very good, very good. Uh, producer Andy Whitelaw is back again. Hello, Andy. All right, boys, good to see you. Yeah, of course, he's not producer anymore, not for us anyway. <laughs> and uh, we, we've got an ex-Singapore footballer, now a sports marketing executive and a radio presenter as well. Is there, is there no end to his talents? Welcome to our Sasi Kuma. What's up, Sasi? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Ross. Hello, boys. How are you? It's been a while since we last all got on this show. How do, you stay, yeah, how do you stay looking that young? Of course, this is a question that doesn't really work on radio, but, you know, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can tweet us all. You can find us all individually on Twitter. You can also tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. As usual, we start by looking back at the weekend. We heard Pep at the start. Arsenal nil, Man City won. We go straight to the Arsenal fan first. Andy Whitelaw, you're not happy with that result. You can't be. But I got the feeling watching that game that halfway through the, the second half, both teams were kind of happy with 1-0 and were just happy to get it over and done with. Difficult one to swallow, isn't it, for a club the size of Arsenal? Can you really accept that that is now the eight? game in a row that we've lost to Manchester City uh, that's very disappointing as far as Arsenal are concerned you've got to accept yeah it's a work in progress you don't want to be too reactionary but you get the impression he's just trying to make them a good unit that's compact that's solid that's difficult to beat and that everything else will hopefully come in later the actually you know trying to score goals and things like that we didn't really lay a glove on them Edison wasn't tested I think that's the most disappointing thing and I brought it up before on this show when you wake up uh in the middle of the night, you at least <laughs> want to be entertained, you know, and starting El Nenny at home alongside Jacker, that's a degree of negativity for me. Now I know you've got to try and contain city or they'll take you apart. You lose four nil, but in the end, you, you know, you don't get any points for losing one nil either. And it probably should have been more. I thought Cancelo danced through probably should have scored early in the first half. Mares ran the show against a half fit looking Kieran Chiani. He wasn't getting much help. 
should have probably been two or three and City didn't need to get out of third gear in the second half, did they? That was the happiest one nil you've ever seen in your life. So I know people are trying to be positive and I'm generally an optimistic guy and a glass half full guy, but really I think it's a little bit pathetic if you're trying to say that this was a good performance when we didn't do anything going forward. I, I don't think it was great. I thought the passing was sloppy. Credit Man City for making players rush it and make mistakes. But ultimately the fact that Again, we lay down to City and it's such a given that we lose to City. You've got to be disappointed with that, haven't you? You can almost feel the pain going across the radio airwaves right now. <laughs> uh, uh, Mad City. I remember, Sassy, early December, we were, we were all looking at the table thinking, you know, this City are having a pretty bad season. Since 15th December, they have not dropped a single point. They've clocked up their 18th consecutive win on the bounce in all competitions. I think it's 13 in the league. I mean, finish line is in sight. It's, it's a done deal, right? Yeah, almost. I think when we looked at the way, or we, when we look at the way that City actually started their season, um, there were a lot of question marks on whether they were good enough to challenge Liverpool because all the talk was about Liverpool winning the title again or defending it because all they did was just to kind of um, improve on the squad. They brought in Jota and uh, they seemed like as though they got more options going forward. Uh, but what really happened is, was, in my opinion, they peaked at the right time. They allowed all the other teams to run in front, but they just tried to fix their squad, try to fix the way they're playing. And it's typical because let's not forget that this season or last coming into this season was been a very weird time for a lot of football clubs. No fans. The preseason has been a bit patchy. So City kind of took that first couple of months to sort of reset and see where they wanted to go. And then they're peaking at the right, right time. And now we know what's happening with Liverpool as well. So they peak a little bit too early. Uh, but to me, it literally looks as though this was really planned. And I've always said that even on my show as well. Like when you look at a squad like Manchester City, they will come good at some point. And that's mm. what they're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, talk about finish line inside. 10 points clear at the top. 13 games to go until the end of the season. Right, more about them later. Involved in Champions League action, City are. Um, let's move on. Talk about the Merseyside derby. I'm going to come to you, Craig. You're going to tell us what went wrong with Jurgen Klopp's mentality monsters. Didn't they always have the upper hand in derbies? What went wrong? Um, yeah, I think it's just um, Everton played Liverpool at the right time. Um, you look at this Liverpool side and, and you know, there's, there's been a lot of bad, a lot of negativity um, in regards to them uh, and their form uh, coming into the derby. And um, yes, you know, they had a good result in the Champions League midweek against Leipzig, um, but those two goals were gifted to them. It, it was put on a plate for them. Um, in large parts of that game, you know, there, there wasn't anything really to shout about. Um, it, you know, I, I look at this Everton side and, and, you know, it looks on paper like there's always something that's going to click at some point. But you're just waiting for it to happen and get that consistency. Um, I thought it would be tough without Calvert-Lewin, I've got to admit. Um, I, I like Richarlison. I think he's a good player. I don't know if he's, a, uh, he's good enough to lead the line type player. Um, but he proved it. I thought his movement for that goal was fantastic. Um, I like James Rodriguez in the hole. Um, you know, I said this before. I don't think he's a, he's a player that's meant to play out wide. He needs to be on the ball. He needs to be, to be able to create and play those kind of cute passes, uh, which he did for Richarlison's goal. Um, um, as I said, you know, the movement was fantastic. The finish was was equally as good. And I thought to, to, uh, I thought the young Turkish defender, um, uh, Kabak, Kabak. Was, was unfairly criticised 
um, to, to be fair. Commentator laid into him a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, um, <laughs> I just thought that it was a good Everton goal. Um, yeah. It's exactly what you want your 10 to do. It's exactly what you want your 9 to do. Um, and it just it just clicked, you know. The, the only thing, obviously, it was very early on in the game. Um, and, and I don't think Liverpool... Um, you know, you talk about mentality, Ross. You know, they didn't have that mentality to come back into. You never thought, um, okay, you know, uh, Liverpool are going to click into gear now um, and, and take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and, and come back. And I thought Everton defended fantastically. I thought Michael Keane was outstanding. Godfrey was great. Um, and, and that's always, you know, the good basis for a win. We'll, we'll come to Sassi in a sec. Big Everton fan there. He's grinning from ear to ear. But Andy, I want to ask you, I mean, there's unlucky with injuries and then there's Liverpool unlucky with injuries. Henderson's down now. I mean, they, they need replacements for their replacements. What's going on there, man? Bitcoin two minds with this one. You do feel sympathy for them, right? But any football fan, it's the same way that you think referees are against you. You're going to get horrible referee decisions. You're going to get horrible injuries. How many times can you look back, whoever you support in the world, can you look back and think, oh, if only we'd have had this player if they hadn't pulled a hamstring then. Liverpool have had it this season, big time. But in the balance of things, you know, when they won the league and, and everyone was firing and everyone was on song, these things happen in football. The sympathy is there, but I'm not going to get too carried away and, and, and sing them any ballads. It, it, look, it's been unlucky, but they've got a beautiful squad full of talent. It's a tough one for them, but... They've also let themselves down in other ways. You know, there are great players there who should be able to step up and produce. So, yeah, a bit of sympathy. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry, can, I just, can I just add to that? Um, like, like Andy, you know, th there is a certain degree of sympathy there. But when you, when you look on, the, on that bench and you see two fit centre-halves, two fit centre-halves there, and you still persist with playing, you know, a central midfielder at the back, you still persist with you, you look at the, the three yeah, midfielders, yeah, yeah. central midfielders that Liverpool lined up with Curtis Jones, Thiago, and um, Wijnaldum. You know, none of them are holding midfielders, and you got someone like Hamis just floating about in that kind of area. Um, Henderson would have been perfect for that game just to put in there, get his foot stuck in. It's a derby after all. None of those three that I mentioned are going to get their foot stuck in, they're not going to be making those 50 50 tackles, they're not going to be, you know, getting tight on, on Hamis. And I think that's where Klopp got it wrong for me. Mm. Um, I think he really needed um, Henderson in that midfield. He can play Nat Phillips in there. Nat Phillips has played in the Champions League, has played in the Premier League before. He's not, he's not new to the league. Um, and, and Davis was on the bench. Yes, I understand. It's a step up from the Championship. Um, but, you know, you signed these players. Yeah. <laughs> you went out and signed Ben Davies. You went out and signed Kabak, who, who has played. Yeah. Um, so I don't have any sympathy when I look on that bench and I see you've actually got two fit centre-halves on the bench and you still play a midfielder there. No sympathy for that. <laughs> okay, just a little smidgen from Craig. Not a lot, not a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I understand Duncan Ferguson led the celebrations in the dressing room, Sassi, and, and Carlo Ancelotti said it was like the Rome derby. It was that intense. And... Um, yeah, lots of unsung heroes. I, I thought Tom Davis just shut that midfield down. No, nobody talks about him. Total unsung hero. Absolutely. I think what made a real, real difference in the derby game is uh, it's a kind of play that I haven't seen with Everton for a long time, especially when the ball got into midfield. Uh, they started squeezing really, really tight and, and forcing the play to go sidewards. And you know that when the crosses come in, Everton are really good at dealing with it. They've got literally four centre-backs playing in the back four. 
right? And Keen, and uh, you look at Holgate, and and you got you look at the back four, right? They're capable of dealing with uh, you know with crosses. What I found really impressive was, you know, he played with four at the back, and then with Seamus Coleman on a defensive stance, you're basically playing with five at the back. Yeah. You know, he can quickly come back and, and defend. So I thought it was a masterclass when it came to tactical play. And then also playing Hamas when you want to play him. And then when you know that he's not really up to it, taking him out, right? So having this balance, it actually can go both ways. Players like Hamas can get upset. He can throw his hand up in the air and say, why are you taking me out in the 60th minute? I, I want to play a, lo- a lot more. But it's a manager like Carlo Angelotti that can know and understand that at that point, he's actually given everything he's got take him out and then, you know, really game management. That's all it's about, right? Uh, coming back to the point where talking about Richarlison, I think Craig brought that up. Richarlison is not a number nine. He's much better to be a playing on the flank. But that's, I think, been the undoing for Everton whole season. Depending on Calvert-Lewin just to get the goals, hasn't cannot be, um, you know, you can't win championship. You cannot qualify for the top four. You need another striker. That's why Josh King is there. But it's going to take a bit more time for him to come and contribute. Yeah, yeah. But overall, when you look at this derby game, what really made the difference was the midfield. And and let's not forget as well, uh, Everton haven't got Alan playing that because he would have been a yeah. big difference. But nevertheless, Tom Davis, like you say, I, I just hope that he doesn't get transferred out because he's one of those young players. He's Everton through and through and hope that he sees more games because uh, he is, he's one for the future and it's always good to have local boys coming through the ranks. And these are the type, type of players that need to play week in, week out. They need the game time. And yeah, great win for Everton. Commiserations a little bit to Liverpool. Um, we, we move on and talk about Southampton 1, Chelsea 1. Uh, Ralph Hassan-Hartl has uh, cut... The, the, the run of successive losses, Andy Whitelaw, stopped it at six. In the end, I guess it was a good point against uh, Tuchel's Chelsea, who, who went in there on, on a run of wins and all that. Um, thoughts on the game? Well, first of all, you got to say Minamino took his goal brilliantly. Uh, on, <laughs> he did, on, didn't uh, he? To yeah. continue the Liverpool note, uh, he looks a very <laughs> astute addition for Southampton. I think, you know, I've mentioned it before, Hassan Hootel's a guy that I really like. I was really pleased to see it's kind of a rarity that Southampton kept faith with him the first time he lost 9-0. <laughs> you don't usually expect it to happen more than once, but the guy knows exactly what he's doing. You speak to any Southampton fans, they are yeah. dotted about in KL somewhere, and uh, <laughs> they're happy with him. They're a unit, they work hard, everyone knows what they're doing. They haven't got the quality of, of some of the sides in the league, but they know exactly, every man knows his job. He's got the best out of every player there. They need players like Danny Ings to step up and score goals. And then when it doesn't happen for them, you've not got many other places to look. And they're not the highest quality at the back either, but everyone works hard, got to credit them. And, and as far as Tuchel's concerned, had the new manager bounce. And I think he might be in for a bit of a rude awakening that, that not everything is right at Chelsea. You know, there, there's a little bit of work to be done. Yeah. The balance isn't quite there. There's a lot of talent, a lot of personalities. And, and he's got a little bit of work to do, I think. The headline act from this particular match, Craig Marias, was Thomas Tuchel's substitution of his substitute. I mean, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you in a sec, uh, Sassi, because you're an ex-player. I want to know how that actually feels or how you perceive that to be. But, Craig, you're breaking a young kid here. Or, or is it hard love that that's what's needed for these youngsters these days? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a tough one, to be honest with you, because if you look at um, Callum Hudson-Odoi and the amount of appearances and minutes that he's had under Tuchel, um, you know that 
<clears throat> you know that the Chelsea manager rates him. Um, so, so he's played a lot, albeit maybe in a ring, uh, right wing back role, um, not, not his favourite position, but he's got that licence to attack. So he's, he's played a lot more under Tuchel than he has under Lampard. Um, so, so you know that um, Thomas Tuchel rates him. However, um, as a player, you know, when you're experiencing that, you know, you come off, uh, you come on at half time, sorry, um, and, you know, you're expected to make a difference. <clears throat> and then within half an hour, you know, you, you take, you, you've been taken off. And um, I'd like to think Callum Hudson-Odoi is, is strong enough um, to, 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 to take that on as a challenge. And, and I think I read um, in his post-match interview uh, when, when Tuchel was questioned about it, um, he said it was in regards to his attitude. His attitude wasn't good on the pitch. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel sometimes it's a bit hard when you're just coming in, you expect it to make an immediate impact. I thought the game was dry. Uh, I mean, you know, there wasn't much coming up from, from, from anywhere. Um, and and I, I get that, you know, Tuchel probably wanted a bit of a spark there. He thought Callum Hudson-Odoi would, would provide that, and he didn't. Um, so it, it's a bit of a tough one. I, I'd like to think Callum Hudson-Odoi is uh, mentally strong. Uh, enough. Um, I, I don't think it'll affect him too much. He, he, he'll brush it off. Uh, he's a fantastic young player um, and um, he had, um, keen to hear what Sassy uh, thinks about it as a player because um, I, I don't think you'd, you'd have experienced something like that. No, I tell you what, hold that thought. We're coming back right after this break. They are off and running in 2021. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Craig, Andy and Sassy joining me this Monday evening. Now, just before the break, we were talking about the Chelsea-Southampton draw. Thomas Tuchel subbing off Callum Hudson-Odoi, who he subbed on at halftime. And it, we've come to Sassy, who is an ex-player. First of all, has it ever happened to you? And what does it do to the mindset of a player? You know, thankfully, I must say, that I play pro, nothing of that sort happened to me. Um, you know, thank God, right? It didn't happen to me because I want to set it up a little bit here because yesterday I was uh, watching Amazon Prime video um, on a series Six Dreams where they feature uh, different La Liga teams. And there was one story that's very relatable to this in- incident we are talking about, Eba. ADA Bar, which is a very small team in the La Liga, they had a player called Ivan Asanio or something like that. And he was not playing a lot of games. And the, and the manager, uh, Jose Mandibar, actually threw him in a game against uh, Girona and as a sub. And what happened was the same thing happened. Like 15 minutes, he was shouting from the sideline. 15 minutes later, he pulled him off, right? And the cameras then panned to the player sitting on the bench. He was bawling his eyes out. Like he was crying nonstop, right? And obviously, it's a sorry to go right on to talk about him a little bit but the point i'm trying to make here is that this can completely destroy players yeah in my opinion absolutely. if if the player is not mentally strong and i've seen this in, in, with myself in in many teams that i've played for when you do that to a player what does, the signal you're sending to the player is that you're not good enough no matter what happens and, and i've seen actually with my own coach like uh, don't go too far v sundramurti who was my coach at jurong fc had done that before like he put a player on 10 minutes later, he'd take him on and the player never played ever again, right? So Ooh, these are like okay. real, life, yeah. <laughs> real, life, uh, real life incidents that I'm, I'm, or situations I'm sharing with you. So I'm not a big fan of that because it really, really wrecks the exactly. confidence of the players. Yeah. You've got to be like, I'm just, sorry, I'm just going to ask you, but this is a player that has featured a lot under Tuchel. Does that make a difference? Or, it could make I mean, a difference. As, as opposed to someone who's it, never had a look at it. Should, and then should be just an, and taken off. 
it's intended to be an instant kick up the backside. Next time you see him play, yeah. it should be a nine out of ten performance. Done. That's yes. what I'm thinking. I think, That's... Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I think this situation is a little bit better. Like you said, Craig, he actually had some minutes under the manager. So there is some trust. There is some sort of respect built between mm. the manager uh, and the and the player. So when things like this happen, it's it could be a, just a, a little road bump, right? But yeah. uh, if a player had not actually played under him, given a chance to hold out, that's the end. But yeah. it'd be interesting to see how this works out because it can go both ways, right? Player's going to go, what the hell? That's it. I'm done. Um, I don't want to play for this manager. Or he's going to turn around and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to actually prove him that I'm a, I'm, I'm a better player than that. Um, Hudson Odoi, we know he's a talented player. All he needs to do is score one or two goals. Things will quickly change around for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's move on and talk about uh, the London derby. Uh, West Ham 2, Spurs 1. David Moyes and West Ham, what can you say? At one point, they, they shot themselves into the top four, Andy Whitelaw. Um, whoa, nosebleed. Well, I'll tell you what. He says they haven't hit top gear yet. So that's exciting. <laughs> Watching this game, you couldn't help but think to yourself, what is the best combination since chicken and rice? Suchek and rice. <laughs> what, what a combo. They are, they are so hardworking. <laughs> this is, let me just point out for radio purposes, Andy Whitelaw's a white man. He's talking about chicken rice. <laughs> One of the greatest inventions ever. <laughs> the beaut. The beaut. Uh, I never really rated rice, to be honest. The, uh, the, I thought it was a little bit overhyped, but really starting to get sold on him. And I thought of a pretty strange comparison, really. He reminded me of Steven Gerrard, and totally different players, but the way he marches forward and kind mm. of almost seems to physically drag his side into good positions and, and do things, whether it's defensively. I mean, there was near the end of the game where he sprinted back in the box to cover the cross. Yeah. That was as good yeah. as a goal, wasn't it? And yeah. I just thought that cross was energy... really good. There's a good cross. Yeah, on yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a top top player. It's really good news for England. Really good weekend for England. I thought in a weekend uh, at a time where I think central defence is probably their weakest and and mid midfield when they're blessed with so many in the final third. People like Keane playing really well, John Stones playing really well, and then Declan Rice playing really really well. Uh, him and Suchek, what a combo. David Moore is absolutely <laughs> laughing. Uh, you know, for all the sides that aren't doing that well, like Arsenal and Tottenham, you've only got to look at West Ham and say, well, if Moyes can get the best out of his players, not as talented a squad, you might say, then what are we doing, Jose and, and Arteta? You know, that, that's a yeah. lot to live up to. He's setting a good standard there, David Moyes. Absolutely. Man United should look at uh, loaning that Messi Lingard chat. <laughs> <laughs> all right um spurs and and Mourinho, um craig two sides of tottenham we saw the first half the dire dire spurs they, they really had no intentions of going forward second half they thought right we, we have to chase this we're two down and that was a lot more palatable uh noticeably when he brought on doherty and bale as well yeah, definitely. I, I think he felt, I mean, th th there was nothing going for Spurs in that first half, you know, and they, they were they're very much in danger of, of getting smashed, <laughs> to put it politely. Imagine um, watching that every week like we did for ages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but what I like about uh, Jose in this instance, and, and, you know, we've seen that throughout his career, he made changes straight away. You know, and we talk about, you know, players being hauled off after half an hour and, and things like that, like Hudson-Odoi. Yeah. Um, Jose is no stranger to doing something like that. He's done it before when it's 15, 20 minutes, you know, if it's not working, he, he, he'll address it. 
Um, and he did that in this in this case. And he needed to. It was forced on him. But but what I liked from it, I mean, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the negativity and and, and how Spurs obviously lost this match and didn't play well in that first half. They were so much better in that second half. And, you know, I mean, you, you think about the chances that, uh, you know, Bale smashes against the bar. Yeah. Kane misses a couple, uh, just inches wide. I mean, there's a lot more positive things uh, to say in that second half. Yet, they come away with the, from the game with nothing. And it's a big worry. I mean, you brought Jose in to, to kind of change uh, the culture, make, make them uh, a top-end team competing for trophies. And it was only about three months ago when, when you know, everyone was lauding them up and saying, hey, look, you know, yeah, Jose's got them playing. You know, this is a new Jose Mourinho team. Um, they're going to be competing for the title. Um, I, I never bought into that, to be honest with you. I never did. I knew at some stage it was going to falter, whether it was a Spurs thing or a Mourinho thing. Um, it was always going to drop off at some stage. Um, and I just think that they're so far away from, from, from competing. And, and I think what makes it worse and what makes it look worse is the rise of clubs like Everton, the rise of, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, okay, Everton, uh, West Ham, yeah. Leicester, yeah. you know, and, and, and once, they, once they're coming up and, and leapfrogging you, you know, it, it just makes your job so much harder. Um, uh, and I just think the question was posed to Jose, um, after the match um, in terms of um, his coaching staff and his coaching staff. And he insists that, you know, they've got the right team. They, they, they're doing the right things. I'm not so sure. Okay. Okay. Sassi, are, are we witnessing here the demise of a great football manager? If you look at his stats, they have just regressed from club to club. Literally, I mean, uh, the, the latest ones to, to, uh, at Spurs are, are really, really bad. Is this his exit from the game, you think? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm actually a fan of uh, Jose Mourinho because I think what he, he brings to the game is a complete understanding of football. Sometimes with the manager, it doesn't go um, like according to plan all the time. This is football, right? Because you're dealing with human beings. When you look at that uh, Spurs squad, yeah, you got talented players, but talented players where? Going forward, right? You got Harry Kane, you got Son, you got Lucas Moura, even Lamela in the first half, I thought did really well yesterday. Uh, very good footwork. But where they are really weak now, and they've never done this for a long time, they haven't actually gone to buy centre-backs. They haven't actually refreshed their back line. You talk about Hugo Lloris, a uh, good goalkeeper, but I think he's coming to the end of the road as well. So they haven't really kind of um, jigged their back line a little bit to bring younger legs in there, and except for Regulon, I thought, uh, you know, that signing from uh, Real Madrid was, was brilliant. He gives a lot of, um, you know, impetus going forward, good skills. He, he's attack-minded, fullback. But other than that, when you look at the likes of Dyer, uh, Alderweireld, and then, uh, you know, you've got uh, Sanchez. Yeah. I'm not convinced. I'm not really yeah. confessed. And then you've got, uh, you know, Aurier when he plays. And, and he's a liability at sometimes, Aurier, if you ask me, Serge Aurier. But, you know, he has good games, then bad games. Then yeah. you, you look at the midfield, you got... I, I like Hoybier, to be honest. I like Hoybier. Ndombele kind of does it when he wants to. So there are not enough match winners, in my opinion. There are not enough uh, players that can perform week in, week out. Same problem that Everton are having. They're not just consistent. Like, if, if, if Spurs could just be consistent, they, they are definitely good for goals. When you look going forward, they don't... I mean, you, I can't find another strike partnership better than uh, Son and Harry Kane at the moment. And, and when Mora's playing... Um, but what they really let down is at the back. And I, 
I think you'd be foolish to let go of uh, Mourinho. Maybe give him a bit of money to go and refresh the back line and then start judging him because he kind of inherited this, this squad, so to speak, and only actually brought in a few players of his own. As we all know, uh, Mourinho needs a bit of time and money to build the squad. You're not going to become a bad manager overnight. I think he's got too much experience at this level, the highest level, and won trophies uh, to be a poor manager. Maybe he needs to think about his, his, his ways, but um, in my opinion, class is permanent, uh, form is just temporary. Okay. Brilliant. Let's stop it there for now. Stick with us. We'll be back right after this break. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back with Craig Marias, back with Andy Whitelaw and back with Art Sasikuma. You can tweet us. Find us all individually on Twitter or follow us on social media as well. Uh, it's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Right, continuing our look at the weekend's EPL action. Man United played the 3 a.m. kickoff. I really, really don't like late early morning games, <laughs> especially when I've got Europa League to do this week as well. But yeah, 3 a.m. kickoff. Man United 3, Newcastle 1. Right result at the end, but it was difficult watching Craig Marias. Now, you and I were talking about this off air. This is where, I mean, we're obviously both Man United fans. Now, this is where I, I, I think Ole maybe lacks a little. Um, in my eyes, there's never a time when you need to play two of Matic, Fred and McTominay. I know McTominay was out injured in this, but the fact that Fred and Matic starts, they sit so deep, they move the ball so slow, and it's just, it's 3 a.m., Craig. <laughs> yeah, um, th th there is a reason to this, and, and the reason is that we had all our other central midfielders out injured. Um, if you look, but if the bench, they were back, if they were back, how would you play it? And would you agree? Yeah, but um, the reason why we play two holding midfielders is because it allows the likes of, of your Rashfords, your your Greenwoods, your Bruno Fernandes's um, to stay up high up the pitch. Uh, and ultimately, that's what, what Ole wants, you know. And, and when we do counter, you know, you've got bodies forward, you've got the pace forward. Um, so, so I can understand the thinking uh, behind playing two holding midfielders. Whether you'd like to play that against Newcastle or, or the lower end sides is, is the question. Um, and, and this is where I feel someone like Donny van der Beek, you know, we signed him. You know, if we, we could have used him a little bit more um, in those, you know, Yes, he was brought in as, as a Bruno replacement uh, or rotation. He's never going to uh, play in that role, let's face but, it. Yeah, Bruno wants to play every game and he's not going <laughs> to get in. So, so what do you do? I mean, games like this against your West Brom's and Sheffield United, these are the games where you don't need to play with two holding midfielders. You know, you can change it up a bit and, and have a, someone like Van der Beek, you know, to control the, the tempo of the game from, from the back end and play those forward passes. And that's that was the problem United faced in the first half yesterday. Um, with, with Fred and Matic, it was too much sideways passing. And, and then when he gets out to the fullback and Shaw or one sacker kind of comes back into the middle. Um, there, there were no forward passes going through. And, and obviously it doesn't help when you, have, when you have a player like Martial where the ball just doesn't stick. Um, nothing's going for him this season. Um, and I think that that's a big factor in that. You know, when, when you're midfield and you're looking up and you're looking at the options and, and he, you're playing the ball into his feet and, you know, it's just either coming back to you um, or, or, you know, possessions turned over. Um, and I think that's a big problem. But it was too passive from United in that first half. Um, um, was it better in the second half? Yes. 
marginally, um, but it was a poor performance from United all round. Doing nothing to the reputation of Man United fans of being spoilt here, lads. Like, you won 3 1. What is going on? Rashford yeah, but, was awesome again. But, Can I just I quickly mean, you... say, totally at yeah. odds with Alan Shearer as well. I didn't see the full game. I'm going to throw my hands up. Yeah. On match of the day, that was a big piece by Alan Shearer, like highlighting Nemanja Matic and, and lauding, and Dion Dublin lauding his weight of pass, saying brilliant yeah. weight of pass from Matic. So, so which was it? Because I didn't see the full game, but it's totally. Yeah, at odds I, no, with... no. I mean, he played, he played well. Matic played well. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Uh, but, um, you know, we were forced to play Matic because we didn't have any other central midfielders. But do you really want to play two holding midfielders against Newcastle? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's the big question. You know, they, they're not going to offer much going forward. It's um, the same, and you Andy. You do. It's the same Sorry. with your El Nenny. You win 3-1, you do. It's yeah, the same with yeah, your yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, but you, right. you expect, you, you need performance levels to be a lot better. And, and OK, we're not going to win the league. We know that. Right, but we want to get that little bit closer to City, and, and we've got some some tough games coming up, so it needs to be better. And and the, the thing with United is that we struggled at home for whatever reason. We just not done it at home, um, and and it's a big it's a big worry. It really is. And I think we got Chelsea next week uh, or, or later this week, um, and performance levels need to be a lot better uh, for that. All right. Now, to, to look at Newcastle, we kind of also have to discuss Fulham because a week ago. There was a 10-point buffer between Newcastle in 17th and Fulham in 18th. The gap is now three because Fulham have, have done really, really well and, and won. But, I mean, are, are Newcastle looking over their shoulders here, Sassi? I mean, Steve Bruce is a wily old manager. He's been there. He's seen it. He's done it. Um, can, can, can he keep this side up? What's going to happen here? I'm, I'm not sure. I think it all started with uh, Fulham at Everton, right? I was kind of upset because that was like a banker if you're a punter because, <laughs> uh, you know, Everton at home, like New Fulham, it's a, it's a given. Actually, and, and you know what, they came away. They actually play really good football. It's just that, you know, they create a lot of chances. They don't put the ball in the back of the net. That's been their demise this whole season. But when you look at how they have actually narrowed the gap between themselves and Newcastle, I would be very worried if I was a Newcastle fan. Last week, I had a coffee with uh, a Newcastle fan here in Singapore, and he went on to say, hey, the only guy that was scoring a bag of goals for us was Kellen Wilson, and now he's injured for weeks. Like, where are we going to find the goals? Uh, Alan said maximum yesterday, he came in and he, he kind of equalized, right, in the 36 yeah. minutes. So, you know, would have been a bit of a scare for United fans, but in the end, you know for, for a fact, when Newcastle are up against the big teams or teams above them, they are always going to be vulnerable at the back. They, they, they have a problem. They just can't keep clean sheets. Um, and in, in, in my opinion, if Fulham can put on a good run of five games, Newcastle could quickly find themselves in some real bother here because uh, the last thing they want, want to happen is Newcastle back in the championship because uh, Mike Ashley won't be getting the 350 million pounds that he wants for his club. All of a sudden, the value will be dropping to half of it, which... Might not be a bad idea because then the Saudis can actually come and buy them finally. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's What's the Singaporeans around? linked with them as well, Sas? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, let's not even go there, right? <laughs> that was a huge... That was a huge scandal behind that. And those, those two guys who initially put up their hand, or at least... Uh, they said they put up their hand. Both are, uh, you know, facing bankruptcy at the moment and a whole oh. sort of scandal that they've uh, kind of left behind. So it's big news here, big news around the world. So not not a not a good good uh, brand 
um, I would say, really, you know, um, equity for, for Newcastle at the moment because uh, they're facing relegation and these guys have just pulled their name across the world. So <laughs> not, not a good moment for Newcastle. All right, well, search it up if that interests you on the World Wide Web. We move on and we have to talk, Andy Whitelaw, a little bit about Leicester City here. Last season, they famously lost out on the Champions League spot uh, on the last day of the season, losing at home to United. They look more than determined this, this time around. Uh, went and played a weakened Aston Villa in the Midlands derby, but you always knew Leicester were going to win that game. Six points clear of Chelsea now. You've got to be loving life if you're a Leicester fan, especially to do this in a Midlands derby and the sort of hometown hero, James Madison, such a popular player among Leicester fans for good reason. Jack Grealish is probably the other one getting as much praise this season. He wasn't playing. Aston Villa miss him desperately. I know you could say he doesn't do much on the defensive end, but he's just such an inspiration to the way they play and he creates gaps when he doesn't play. And, and I think this was the first game he'd missed since 2019 for them. He's been ever present. And they looked like uh, they really missed him. Leicester, on the other hand, Harvey Barnes weighing in with a goal. Questionable uh, on the old uh, jumping foul throw. I don't know how they've got away with that one, but when you <laughs> luck's in, you luck's in. When you're playing like Leicester are at the moment. Southgate was watching. He would have loved what he saw from both Harvey Barnes and James Madison. There is an embarrassment of riches in the final third now for England. Um, yeah. Leicester City very much looking like that Champions League spot is, uh, is theirs now for the losing. All right. Uh, elsewhere, we, we kind of mentioned Fulham. They beat Sheffield United 1-0. So they're three points now off Newcastle in, in 17th. Um, Burnley, West Brom. Quickly talk about that, Craig Marias. West Brom down to 10 early on. They showed a lot of fighting spirit. I thought Arsenal Loney, Maitland-Niles, playing in that midfield was probably their best player. Um, yeah. Um, they're down. They're gone, right? <sighs> I, I don't know, you know, like, I mean, I, you, you'd think so. It's too much of an ask, definitely. Um, but, but we've seen weirder things. We, we definitely have. I think with over the last few weeks, I think West Brom have improved dramatically. Um, and it was only a matter of time before um, Allardyce's kind of plan or, or his style of play, um, you know, kind of clicked with the players. He's brought in a lot of new players, Maitland-Niles being one of them. I think that's an absolute steal uh, that he's got because there's no way uh, someone, I mean, it was only what, six months ago, he's playing for England, uh, Maitland Niles. <laughs> um, and, and now he's, he's involved in a relegation dogfight. Um, there's no way uh, a player who I, I actually rate him really highly. Um, there's no way a player of that quality should be uh, going down to, to a relegation dogfight, um, you know, in the middle of a season. Um, there's no way. And I think he had other offers, but whatever it was, you know, West Brom managed to get him. And, and I think it's a massive coup for them. Um, you, you look at the guy that they've got up front as well, uh, Dianga. Yeah, um, with the blue hair. With the blue hair, which is, oh God, don't even <laughs> but, um, I guess it goes better with a home kit. I don't know. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the kit is horrendous as it is. And you add that with blue hair. God, I mean, what are you thinking, mate? Um, but uh, you can't, I guess you can't change it. You can't have it green or yellow, can you? Um, but, yeah, there is something about West Brom. I mean, and yes, they're too far adrift to, yeah, to, yeah. for me to come out here and say, you know, that they can do it. Um, but they're definitely going to put up a fight. And, okay. and, and that's, I think, what you want, because I don't think a lot of people expected it anyway uh, for, for Allardyce to get them out of it. Um, if he does, obviously, massive, massive. It would probably be the biggest achievement of his career, um, I reckon. 
but I think this one was a just it's too tough a job for him to do. Okay, right. After for our final break, uh, we'll look forward to the football uh, happening in midweek for you next. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back with Craig, back with Sassy and back with Andy. Looking forward to the M23 derby. It is the rope that links London down to uh, Brighton. Uh, and, and traditionally, bad blood between these two, Sassy, but uh, not so much these days, really. Um, Brighton, Crystal Palace, nil-nil draw for you, one-one draw for you. Yeah, I think this is one of those games that you don't really want to watch, right? Because uh, <laughs> 4 a.m. is morning. great time. <laughs> <morning. laughs> exactly. Yeah, not that I'm going to wake up and uh, you know watch this game no matter what. Um, but I actually like Brighton. I like the way they play football. Yeah. And, you know, the last couple of games, they managed to turn those good play into um, goals. They got a good manager in Graham Potter, who was just basically picked up by Pep Guardiola as the um, top English manager in his, in his opinion. So, yeah, he, he gets his team to play and line up really well. Uh, Crystal Palace, on the other end, you know, without Wilfred Zaha, they seem to be a side that, again, runs around. They're tough, they're organised, but don't can't seem to get goals. Like, he seems to be the main guy to do everything for them. Yeah. Um, so in this game, yeah, no, not that I'm going to get up and watch. So let's just leave it as that. Yep. Tuesday 4 a.m. kick off that one. Let's move on. Leeds Southampton could be tempting. It's Wednesday at 2 a.m. Now Leeds without Calvin Phillips, they're holding defensive midfielder. They've just won one of six without him. So they'll really want to get him back for that. But uh, Champions League football this midweek, Atletico Madrid against Chelsea is Wednesday at four. Atletico had a double header against Levante. Really weird, La Liga. They played Levante in midweek. I think that was their away game. It was 1-1. And then they played Levante again at home this weekend where they lost 2-0. <laughs> it's crazy. Not the best build-up to Chelsea, uh, Andy Whitelaw. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a strange one, isn't it? Sometimes... You see teams and, and, and players when they've got a big Champions League tie hanging over them mentally. What does it do to you? Difficult, though, to find excuses when a team that's been flying all season drops points to lowly Levante. I expect them to turn up at home against Chelsea. They've got one of the best managers in the world to know how to win these kind of ties. And uh, Levante aside, they've just been so impressive all season. So you do back them to get it done and see that as a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, 4 a.m. Lazio Bayern is the same time on Wednesday or Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, 4 a.m. Uh, Bayern also suffered a shock defeat at the weekend. Uh, no one saw that they were two down against Eintracht Frankfurt. Pulled one back and then you thought, is Lewandowski going to get an equaliser? Late one, late one? No, it didn't happen. So they lost as well, but they're just too strong. It just means they only lead by like 300 yeah. points, Craig. Yeah, I watched, I watched this match. Um, and uh, I mean, if you watched it, first of all, the state of the pitch. It was I mean, horrible. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. it was horrible. I mean, it was just the ball was just bumping Was it Bukit Jalil? <laughs> it made Bukit Jalil look de good, definitely. Um, but, um, you know... I, they lost 2-1, yes, but there's so much positives to take from it. I mean, 
they were just so unlucky. The ball just didn't fall for them. Um, they were attacking constantly. Uh, Frankfurt, uh, obviously, after the, they, they got the two goals, were playing on the counter. Um, it, it was a good game to watch, but frustrating if you're a Bayern fan. Um, I think it's one of those results where it, they're just going to forget about it, uh, focus on to, to the Lazio match, which I, I, I mean, I, I can't see the same thing happening. You know, I, I really can't. I think Bayern are just too strong all round. Um, you're talking about good uh, all round and squads, and, and that's as good as it gets, to be fair. Um, so yeah, I think uh, service will will resume uh, when they play when they play Lazio. Well, Lazio moved into the Serie A top four on Saturday, uh, beating Sampdoria one 0 Luis Alberto returning after a long layoff and scoring the goal. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach take on Man City Wednesday night, Thursday morning, four a.m. kickoff. Gladbach fell two one to lonely, lowly minds on Saturday. We all know about this this Man City machine that Pep has, is behind right now, Sassi. I mean, are, are they, do you think they're strong contenders, favourites for the big one, the big ears? That's, that's what they want. That's got to be the next aim, right? Yeah, absolutely. They only spent 400 million uh, sorting out their backline. So <laughs> they should be good for this one. Or at least you, you think that, uh, you know, the big, big price they are really after is the Champions League. Something that has eluded them for a long, long time. And even with Pep Guardiola, I think that's what he, they are trying to achieve at Manchester City. They look like a team that actually can go all the way this season. I don't know who are the other teams that are, you know, who could really throw in the span in the works for them. Maybe PSG, but I don't know. Um, but Man City overall, if they can, uh, especially this season, if they can get their act together, I don't think so. Too many teams in world football can actually solve, uh, stop them because going forward, they're solid. They've got so many match winners and finally at the back, they've sorted out their problems. So, yeah, it, it'd be, it'd be, I'll be very surprised if I don't see them at least in the final two. You've got to say, whilst Liverpool and Real Madrid remain in the tournament, they are possible winners as well because they've got the pedigree. Real are away to Atalanta, uh, who clinched. Atalanta clinched their third win in a row on Saturday, beat Napoli 4-2. They're, they're good fun this season. That one could be loads of goals or a dud, nil-nil. <laughs> um, in the Europa League, Benfica are away at the Emirates. Andy Whitelaw is 1-1. It is nicely poised. Um, how serious do you think Arteta should be about the Europa League this season? Or should it be just given to the kids to play? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a ridiculous question. Uh, well, I have to say the most... I've really been disappointed in Arteta was when he seemingly threw away the FA Cup at Southampton as the holders to finish 10th in the league. Got a question what he's up to there. Then you look at the Europa League. Is that the priority? It's got to be. Nothing's really happening to the league uh, for Arsenal at the moment, sitting in 10th. This is massive for them. But you look at the sides still left in the competition. There's some proper big boys still around. Arsenal should have been out of sight. They should have probably won 3-1 in Benfica at the home leg in Rome. And this one's going to be in Greece. So strange times with COVID and all that. But they made five changes to that side against City. And you felt, judging by the performance, there was a lack of sharpness from Arsenal, a bit of sloppiness in the passing. And you couldn't help but feel they were saving something for this Benfica tie. If that is the case, they've got to go and deliver now. They've got Mm. to go and deliver. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, as the captain of the club, Jamie Redknapp's come out and said that he's lost his superpowers. I think that's a bit reactionary after the guys just got a hat trick last week. (laughs) But 
he does. He does need to step up a bit. He got a bit bullied by John Stones, although I thought that was a free kick. Uh, he's got to step up a bit more. He's too often out of the game. And for a player of his pedigree, of his stature, and the captain of the football club, he's got to step up. He missed some sitters in the, in the first leg. This is the time for Aubameyang to really step up and show who he is, which we all know is one of the top strikers in world football. I expect Smith Rowe to start. He didn't start against City with one eye on this. It's another opportunity for someone like him to step up and, and, and live up to a lot, of, uh, a lot of the praise that he's been getting. Maybe Martin Odegaard as well, who didn't play so well against City. So it's a big opportunity, arguably the biggest game in Arsenal's season. So no, I don't think we should just play the <laughs> and let them have it. Okay. Um, probably the other Europa League tie with, with, with something in it is Leicester nil, Slavia Prague nil uh, after the first leg. Now, Craig Marias, if you're Brendan Rodgers here, do you put a lot of energies into this and risk injury? Because you're on a heck of a good league run here, right? With 13 to go till the end of the season. How serious do you take the Europa League? Yeah, seriously. Um, I, I think I would uh, if I'm Leicester. Um, you're in the position where you are right now. And, and I think you're going to just kind of embrace it. Uh, because, I mean no disrespect or anything, but they're not used to being in, in, in this kind of position, whether we're talking about the league or whether we're talking about Europe. Um, why, why not just have a go for it? I mean, you, you're losing absolutely nothing. Um, the only thing, I mean, yes, you tweak a couple of positions here and there. I, th- I don't think Jamie Vardy can, can play two games in a week, but Iheanacho is shown in drips and drabs that, you know, he can sometimes lead the line. Um, give, give him a try, give uh, try out up front. Um, I, I just feel that there's so much potential in this Leicester side, you know, and, and you look at some of those players there, you, you, your Madisons, your Barnes, your Tielemans, you know, they need to be playing on this European stage. They want to play in this European stage um, and uh, they've got to take it seriously. Yes, they are where they are in the league, you know, um, you know, second, third in the league, but, you know, they're not going to win the league. Mm. Yeah, neither are United. So you might as well make a go for it. Yeah. You know, yes, I think they're good enough to compete on both fronts, to qualify for the Champions League uh, of merit in the league, uh, but also have a good European run, um, you know, in, in the European League. So definitely, why not? You, you're that far on. Give it a go. Give it all you got. Okay. Um, Spurs and Man United both hit four in their first legs. Spurs host uh, Austria's Wolfsburg and Man United uh, against Real Sociedad. Shouldn't have a problem there. Um, running out of time rapidly. Sassi, who do you fancy in the Champions League? I, w- I want to say Manchester City, uh, definitely, because I, the way they are peaking at the right moment, I just feel that they probably have enough. They have a squad to go and challenge for the title. So two-part question here, two-part question. If City win the title, uh, Champions League, do you think Pep will call it a day? Because that will be, the, be the lot done. Yeah, I think that would be the smart thing to do. Leave on a high and uh, still keep his currency high so that uh, his next move is going to be a massive one. He's done everything he can and I think uh, he's ready ready for his next move. So win the Champions League and then maybe, I don't know, Real Madrid next. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant stuff. All right, that's it. We're out of time. Have yourselves a great week. I say many thanks to Sassi. Thanks for joining us all the way from Singapore. Real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much and nice seeing you guys again. And thank you, Andy Whitelaw. Yeah, good to see all former colleagues. Good to see you, boys. <laughs> <laughs> every every week uh, we'll be here. Uh, have a great week. Have a safe week, everyone. Uh, see you on Friday. Bye now. Off the ball every Monday on BFM eighty nine point nine.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.